What is up, coaches? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Powerlift. We don't just like Powerlift because of their awesome name. We also use Powerlift, Broken Arrow, and Ankeny to design both of our facilities. They not only have a good product, they also have a bunch of good dudes. They don't come off as those greasy bad car salesmen that you run into a lot of the time. Instead, you get to work with guys like former guest J.R. Conrad, guys that truly care about the game and your football team and want to help you build your strength program. Powerlift is a trusted program that is designed in the University of Oklahoma, University of Iowa, Baylor University, and Mater D High School's weight facility just in the last few years, along with many, many more. Let Powerlift take your unique needs and use them to design your state-of-the-art facility. From concept to completion, choose Powerlift. Powerful ideas, powerful results, made in the USA. Go check out Powerlift at power-lift.com. Again, for any of your weight facility needs, go check out Powerlift at power-lift.com and tell them Run the Power sent you. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by SkyCoach. SkyCoach is a proven sideline replay technology that will give you the advantage over opponents utilizing anything else. It's got 24-7 support, a flexible network that works in any stadium, any size crowd, and the most reliable, innovative software available. We use this at Broken Arrow. Uh, we've got the butt shot and the wide shot. It is crucial in games to be able to see that. I can tell, uh, did a team get into four and four eyes? Are they just really loose threes? Uh, is, it a, is it a tight shade or is he head up? Um, it works great for us. I can tell where they're slanting, when they're blitzing. Uh, you know, so many times you've had a kid come off the field and say they're getting uh, a guy blitzing in every gap, right? But here you can go back, you can look at it. We've got our OC up in the press box looking at the wide, me on the sideline looking at the tight, and, and we can actually hook these up to TVs on the sideline, show the kids. It works great. It's worked every time. Uh, I love being able to use it. Sky Coach, to be the best, you must use the best. Don't let your team down by choosing something inferior. Sky Coach, the market leader in sideline replay. Visit them at myskycoach.com to learn more. Again, if you want a great sideline replay, go to myskycoach.com to learn more. Head over to the RTP store. We have two designs as t-shirts, long sleeves, and hoodies. We have our Run the Power and our Will Block for Food designs available. Go get yours today under the store tab at runthepower.com. Now you can run the power in any weather. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Attack Academy. Team Attack Academy is an online football development site football players, and coaches of all levels. It's the most powerful teaching tool introduced into the game today to raise the level of playing and coaching football. After using Team Attack Academy, your athletes and coaches will outplay, outwork, and outsmart their opponents, guaranteed. Go check them out at their website, teamattackacademy.com. On today's episode of RTP, we talk with Brad Trembler. Brad's the special teams coordinator at Saucon Valley High School in Hallerton, Pennsylvania. Sorry if I mispronounced either of those. Prior to moving back to Pennsylvania, he was at Spring Valley High School in Las Vegas with our own RTP brother, Mark the Shark Broyles. Listen as we talk with Coach Trembler about coaching in Las Vegas, game planning to be able to move the football against excellent teams like Bishop Gorman, and a great way to call your personnel groupings with a very fluid roster of athletes. You can follow Coach Trembler on Twitter at Coach underscore Trim. Hope you guys enjoy. Coach, uh, it's great having you on. So um, uh, all the way over in uh, Nevada, I believe. So, uh, you know, just kind of 
talk to all of our listeners and, and kind of how you got there and, and maybe through your playing career and now now as a coach and now coaching in, in Nevada and, and how that kind of all transpired and, and uh, you know, what you're up to now. All right. Well, uh, my name is Brad Trembler, and um, I was the offensive coordinator at Spring Valley High School here in Nevada for seven years. Um, recently, I made the decision to move back east. Oh, okay. Well, then I was wrong. I was way wrong then. <laughs> but I'm still technically out here. I'll, I'll be out here until June. Oh, okay. Until we get the move. But uh, I guess, um, you know, I started playing high- football uh, in high school as a freshman, and and I was always one of the bigger kids, and they always try to get me to play when I was younger. But, you know, I never pulled the trigger for whatever reason. So started playing as a freshman in high school. Um, definitely, you know, credit, credit the game for, you know, the person I've become today. And, you know, I had the single mom, worked a lot, and things could have went different ways. But, uh, you know, football definitely helped helped clear a path for me. So then after high school, I uh, played in college at Millersville University. It's in Southern PA. Played there for four years. Um, Had so much fun in college that I stayed for a fifth. But my... uh, Good move, good move. (laughs) I would have stayed longer. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's exactly right. (laughs) My eligibility was up, so I coached at a high school around there. That uh, year I was still in college at York. Hmm. Actually, it's William Penn High School in York, PA. Um, that was a, that was quite an experience. I mean, that, that team that I coached there was more athletic than the team we had in college my senior year. (laughs) It it was unbelievable. We had the, the state hundred meter champ in PA went on to play corner at Penn state. We just had, we had so many athletes. It was an embarrassment of riches. Um, so made you a real good coach in your first year, huh? Yeah, I knew a lot right off the bat. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we actually, before we got there, it was a new staff. And um, I think they'd won like two games in four years. It was one of those deals. Like, heart of the city, you know, kids always fighting, things of that nature. So they can never get anyone on the same page. And uh, as the OC said the year that, that, that was there when I was there, that man, we got them to get in a huddle without killing each other, and we went seven and three. <laughs> just, just, Small just, steps, man. Just, just based off, you know, how athletic it, it, the group was. So I was there for a year and uh, ended up moving back home. I uh, grew up in Emmaus, Pennsylvania. That's where I went to high school. Ended up moving back there and uh, coached at my alma mater for two years – or three years, actually. Uh, first year I was middle school defensive coordinator, then I was middle school head coach, and then I was freshman um, offensive line and special teams. And uh, that was, you know, a great experience just having all, you know, a lot of different responsibilities so early definitely helped uh, help me figure a lot of things out early. And then decided uh, I don't want to live in Pennsylvania anymore. So... <laughs> I moved out to Las Vegas. Uh, I had a cousin what out kind of here. A, what kind of drive is that? How many hours is that? Well, my mom lives in Chicago, so I drove from PA to Chicago. That was twelve, I believe. Jeez. Um, stayed at her house for a night or two, and then drove Chicago to Col- to Denver. Um, that was 
16 hours. Got a hotel room. I had my dog with me. Got a hotel room that took dogs. Well, the the problem was she had slept for 16 hours. So when we got in the hotel room, she was all jacked up and she was barking at everyone. We had to leave after about an hour. Oh, good (laughs) lord. I actually remember stopping at a rest stop and sleeping in the car for about an hour. And then I drove straight to Vegas. I think that was about 14 hours. Um, got to my cousin's house, fell asleep, and then he woke me up because it was New Year's Eve and we had to go out, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And that was, uh, I believe that was eight years ago this past New Year's. So, so when I got out here, I I hadn't, I didn't coach that first year, that first fall. And, uh, you know, I definitely realized how much I missed it. So, so what I did was I just found every every head coach's email that I could find and I emailed him and um, heard back from a handful of guys, heard back from uh, Marcus Teal at Spring Valley, who's still the head coach and uh, got me in, did an interview. He hired me. When he hired me, I was going to be the freshman O-line coach um, before we even made it to spring. I think I got hired in February before we even got to spring ball. The varsity O-line coach was out. Um, Shark had just moved over to D.C., so they had a, a, an O-line spot open. I, I got to coach the varsity O-line my first year, and um, I believe three years later I, was o- I, I became the offensive coordinator, and two years ago I became the strength coach. And uh, that's where I was ever till after this offseason when, you know, I just I wanted more out of the coaching and, and more for – I wanted to be able to further my career, and, and I don't want to do that out here in Vegas because of the school district. So made sure. the decision, you know, I needed to go somewhere else and uh, got a lot of family back home. My brother's moving back home and uh, was fortunate enough to uh, be introduced to uh, the head coach at Saucon Valley High School. It's in Hellertown, PA, so I'll be on staff this, this following season there as uh, I'm going to do the special teams. And uh, offense and defensive positions are to be determined. Yeah, that that's great. Um, yeah, I didn't know. Shark had said you might be moving uh, away. I didn't want to be the. I didn't didn't know if you had, <laughs> you had made that official or, or or what. So I didn't want to bring that up. So that's good to know. Glad to hear uh, hear it from you, and glad that it didn't slip out of my mouth uh, uh, first. I got. I'm actually. I'm getting married in June, and Shark. I got, I'm, I'm got shark overblown on that. So, so that's, that's the story he's, he's focused on right now. There you go. Uh, well that, that kind of brings you back, like you said to, uh, you know, what he was telling me about Vegas when he was there, or, you know, you got a lot of, a lot of coaches that, um, the way it sounds, you know, maybe don't even get to teach. They've, they've got another job and, uh, quite a few lay coaches or the guys that just coach. And then, um, also, like I know with his situation, he was he was teaching at one school and then actually coaching at, at a different one, all in all in Vegas. But um, you know, a different school for, from what he was coaching from. So I'm sure that that had it, its own difficulties and issues when it came to uh, football practice. Oh yeah, it's it's a whole different world out here. <laughs> I I mean, from what Shark tells me about what goes on in Oklahoma and and what goes on in PA that I've seen firsthand, it's just. Uh... I mean, we had 
three on staff in building coaches last year. Um, I don't know how many they're going to have this year. They might just have two, but it's uh, there, there's definitely a lack of um, support or, or a sense of urgency from the administration to get guys in the building that coach. I mean, there's one of the things that I know fired Shark up the most was there's gym teachers in the school that don't coach a sport. Right, which makes almost no sense. <laughs> so it, it's tough, and then it – like you said, it's very tough practice-wise, you know, working out the logistics of practice and when everyone can get there. We actually lost a, a very, very good coach who was going to be our DC this past season because we practiced at 4.30 and there was a school by his house that practiced at 1.30. Hmm. And, and <laughs> three hours, you know, he, he was tired of hearing it from his wife when he got home at eat every night, so. Sure. <laughs> so it, it, it makes it real hard just because it's it's so hard to get guys on campus, um, just get it approved by the admin. I know where I was, it was it wasn't a priority to get football coaches in the building. Well, I remember I I had applied out there and it's Clark County, right? Yes. Um, I had applied out there and it was the same kind of deal. They'd said if you if you get hired, you basically they they just place you someplace. So they, yeah, yeah. they, they kind of say, Hey, you know, coach, coach walls, you, you, you've been accepted for a job. And I'm like, cool. Where would I be working? Uh, yeah. We'll let you know. But it's, it's, I mean, the, the school district's so big and there's so many dang schools that, I mean, the, the way they operate, it's way different than like you were saying in Oklahoma where, you know, one town has one school district, that whole area, that whole County has all those schools. It's crazy. It's, it, it is. I mean, I was thinking about it the other day where I live, I can drive 10 minutes and pass two high schools and get, you know, damn near close to a third. Yeah. And it's all under the same umbrella. It's all under one school district. So it's 30 some odd schools in one school district. Yeah. And you wonder why Bishop Gorman's winning it every year, right? <laughs> because they're not a part of that. They're not, they're not, they're not their rules are different. Yeah. Well, I mean, it helps when you got the founder of UFC and Snoop Dogg, you know, helping you out, but. It, it, you know, it, it's a, that's such a hot button topic out here is Bishop Gorman. But I, I will say that those kids, you know, they work hard and, and the coaches yeah. work hard and, but it's, yeah, it's not a good feeling getting on that bus. We played there last year, you know, and we're loading 34 kids on a bus to go up there and, and they're walking out of a multi-million dollar facility with 94 kids. Well, and that's, I mean, that's why the, the good kids want to go there. And it, it's the difference between Clark County and, and Bishop Gorman. Bishop Gorman wants to be excellent in athletics. Clark County would be more concerned with, you know, hey, let's put educators in places. And, and if kids have a fun football experience, so be it, you know. But it's, it's, it's the difference between the two. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, there's, there's few schools in Clark County that get it. And they're also the ones up there with Gorman. Mm-hmm. Because sure. they get it. Sure, and, and you know, all the stories I've heard, and, and you know, to me, I, I think, you know, good for them. Hopefully, you know, they get their kids as good as they can get them. But then, um, you know, you also think, to me, it's kind of crazy that they're still in the in the same district. You know, they're in – they can win state championship. Is that correct? 
Yes. Yeah. So, so that doesn't make. I, I'm all for a team, you know, getting up, being as big as they can. But it, it's it's a little crazy to me that they still get to play everyone else with with completely. It seems like would be different rules, and then uh, win a state championship every year. But I know, uh, you know, Shark told me stories of um, what is it, Demarco Murray, and and saying hi to his mom every day as he went into school, and then uh, Demar, you know, because she worked at his at yeah. school, and then. Uh, Murray was over at Bishop Gorman, and I'm sure I'm sure that would kind of hurt thinking you've got a a uh, Division One player coming up through the ranks, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, they're transferring out. That would be definitely not a fun thing to deal with. Well, that, that's another thing that that always got us was we're so close to Gorman. Our Spring Valley was a is about ten minutes from Gorman, so it's so easy for Spring Valley kids to get to Gorman especially early, like my first couple of years, Shark would be telling me, we'd play him, he'd be like, yeah, that kid was here, that kid was here, that dad's, that kid's dad coached here. Like all these kids that are zoned for us are, are playing for them. And like you said, I don't, I don't blame the kid or the parents at all. I mean, if, if I had an opportunity to send my kid there, absolutely. Sure. That's a no-brainer. But, yeah, um, getting back to what you were saying about the state title, it's funny because uh, what I heard was the coaches – our head coach at Spring Valley is, is pretty good friends with the head coach at Gorman. And he was telling us that the coaches want to play a national schedule, I guess, but the admin likes hanging up the state championship banners. <laughs> so the coaches would be fine with playing national and, and you know, because sure. for me as a coach, I don't want six games a year that I know I'm going to win, that, that I, I just got to roll the ball out there. So <clears> – <throat> They want, it, they want a, na- a full national schedule, but admin likes hanging the banners. Yeah, they'd love to become, you know, like IMG West, you know, f- be able to, to yeah. fly kids in from all over the country, p- put a barracks up or something out there Absolutely. where they can stay or apartments. They, they'd love to be able to do that. But it's like you said, it's, it's kind of a, a conflict of interest with some of the other people who are, are paying some bills too. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, those bill payers usually – check writers make all the calls don't they <laughs> well coach that's what I was kind of interested in you know I knew you knew you're the offensive coordinator and you're going against some of these teams that um you know like a Gorman that you know I don't I don't want to say unfair but you're definitely at a huge disadvantage when you're going up a team like that so that's kind of you know I was kind of curious and and I know you guys have um I believe you were there last time but you guys you know have beat them in a regular season and and have done a few of those things. So kind of curious, when you're going into a game like that, obviously, you know, fairly outmatched player-wise, what are some things that you've, you've incorporated into your offense to try to take advantage of, of the kids that you do have and, and try to, to knock off a team that, you know, has a lot of move-in kids like that? Well, um, unfortunately, first off, I was not a part of that staff that won. Oh, I got you. Um, okay. <laughs> that would have been a hell of a night, though. Let oh, me tell I you. believe it. <laughs> um, what what we did the last two years, and, and it's funny because it, it was completely different. What we did both year was we're out here. It's so transient. You, you know, kids just come and go. So we're very personnel-based on offense. You, you know, everything we do is built around personnel and, and being able to take advantage of what our personnel strengths were. So two years ago, we played Gorman at home. We had – a very our quarterback was he wasn't the best quarterback but he was the toughest kid on the field 
if you know what I mean. He, he, he'd do some things that, that made you scratch your head, but he was tough and he had a quick release and, and he'd stand in there all night. So what we did two years ago was I said, we're throwing the ball every play. You, you know, we're, we're not physically going to run the ball on them, especially two years ago. Their D-line was unbelievable. And their front seven. I mean, they could have had their, – their defense two years ago could have three NFL guys when it's all said and done. Yeah. Which is unbelievable. Yeah, so, makes it tough. So, I mean, they had uh, Bubba Bolden. He's at USC. He was this big six-foot-five safety. He just, you know, arranged for days. They had a, a three-tech. You couldn't block – you know, we couldn't block to save our lives. He's at Ohio State, and their, their, middle backer, their middle backer committed to USC this year. I think he was the top backer in the country, uh, Guillote. And they were scary, you know. Part of it was I didn't want to send our running back in there. <laughs> so, so I, going into it, I said, we're going to throw the ball. That's, that's what we're going to do. We, we threw the ball a lot uh, two years ago. That was our strength. I, I trusted our quarterback the most, so I said – all right, man, you, you're going to throw it all night. Don't get hit, though. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually – we actually ha- now, the game's shorter because cause that clock starts running. But we uh, – they went up 14 nothing, and what happened was we stopped them, stopped them, forced them to punt, drove and scored. And you would have thought we just won the Super Bowl. Because <laughs> you don't you – don't, the, the in-state schools, like Liberty here is, is probably the second best team in the state. They'll, they'll score on Gorman. But the rest of the in-state guys, it, it doesn't happen in the fourth quarter, let alone the first quarter. Right. So, so we scored and it was, you know, pandemonium. You, you, would have thought, <laughs> you would have thought we just won the game. And, and uh, it was just a lot of quick stuff. We sprinted them a lot. But he ended up. We, we, we ran the ball twice the whole game, once because I wanted to get the clock moving and once because we had a back who wanted to run. So <laughs> we, we, we ran the ball two times, but we ended up – he didn't get sacked all night. He wasn't on the ground all night. Huh. And um, we ended up scoring twice. I think we threw for almost 200 yards, and, and it was as successful a 63-14 to 14 loss could be. <clears throat> We held, we held them to 63. Well, it was it was funny because, and I don't know if Sharks told you about this, but we used to joke all the time that Gorman, when they walk out of the coach's office, they spin a, they spin a wheel, and whatever it lands on, that's the score. And, and <laughs> yeah, they go dude. out, and, and that's what the score is going to be. Well, they, they always would kind of pull up on us. You know, it would be like 49 nothing. that would be the end of the deal. Well, when we sco- after we scored to make it 14-7, it was 35-7 to before you blinked. Jeez. I, just I just made him mad. I looked at our running back coach. I said, I think we poked the bear a little too hard. <laughs> <laughs> we probably should have just let him sleep. <laughs> so that, that, that year was just all about, hey, we'll throw a lot of quicks. We'll move you around. Just get the ball out. Because we had some good wideouts. Our, our tight end was good. And. Get it to these guys and, and let's see what they want. You know, do you, I always tell the kids, hey, you want to play college football? This is the week. This sure. is the week to get something on film. No doubt. Because no college wants to see, you know, is driving up here to see you play 
one of the teams from down the street, they want to see filming as Gorman because that's mm-hmm. the kids they're getting. So two years ago, we were throw the ball. This past year when we played them, we um, were in a transition from, from a, a spread no huddle to a holy shit, we can't run that anymore to, a, <laughs> to more of a, a downhill multiple personnel run game. And uh, it just happened that when we made the switch was Gorman week, and we had a bye before that. We had a bye before that. Oh, there you so go. Had, yeah. We had two weeks to work on it, and I was like, I'd rather have two weeks to work on it and run it against them than, than worry about, hey, maybe this isn't the best thing to do against them. So we worked on it for two weeks, um, and uh, we, we – we, I tried to throw, you know, unbalanced motion, anything you could think of, and it just didn't really matter. Um, we ended up uh, – we didn't get on the scoreboard. We ended up stalling out at their three, and I think that was their second conference game all year. Well, if you look back on it, they didn't allow a touchdown in state till uh, round three of the state playoffs, round two or round three of the state playoffs. Good Lord. And so to think we stalled out at the three, maybe maybe it wasn't as bad as as we thought it was going to be. So so what – I mean, knowing that about a team that, that's that good, are there, are there different expectations when you go into the season when you're talking to the kids? Obviously, as a coach, you're kind of smart about what to expect, but is it still when you're talking to the kids, hey, we're going to win state, or is it let's, let's make it through our side of the bracket and uh, up until we get Gorman? I mean – not to be – you know what I mean? I, I know yeah, no. as a coach you're a little more realistic and, and you know, you got to talk to your kids as honest as you can. But still there's obviously some that you don't tell the kids, I would assume. We, we don't say, you know, hey, we have no chance. But it's – the worst thing about playing – the worst thing about them being in our division is you can't look the kids in the eyes and say we can win the state title. Right. Because they know it and, and we – I mean, it's – it's wild because my first year out here, I'm like, you know, I'm all geeked up. I'm like, oh, we can beat them. We can beat them. You can play with them. You know, anyone can play with anyone, all that. But it's just not the case. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's hard when they get three NFL – I mean, three possible NFL players in high school. I, I mean, what you know, what do you do? You said. It's, it's just it's, – it's not, it's not realistic. And you don't want to – the last thing I want to do is – you know, stand in front of the kids and, and blow smoke up their ass. Right. Because <laughs> they – especially when they know it's smoke at the time. So, it, it's just something we just kind of don't talk about to the week of. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like the elephant in the room. Just <laughs> – and, and we focus – you know, we would focus more on, on beating our rivals um, – a home playoff game was always a big goal we'd talk about. Right. You know, get, getting over that hump of winning a playoff game as a program, things like that. Now, three years ago, we were down a division. We, we were uh, – Gorman was 4A, we were 3A. And, and those two years, we talked a lot about winning state titles because it was realistic. Sure. But once we got moved back up, that, that, that talk kind of got taken away. Is that something that those those schools try to do as far as, you know, would obviously like to not be in the same division? Um, or is it not much you can do about it if you're in the division that just kind of is what it is? So 
that was that's basically been the big to do this whole off season is they were trying to create a super conference, if you will, of ten teams and uh, putting Gorman in it and and saying it was a five A division and it's only ten teams and these ten play each other and that's it. So so Gorman, if you want to play your national schedule, you're out of the the NAIA. If you don't, if you if you want to still play for a state title, you don't get any national games. These are your nine opponents, and uh, the North actually, <laughs> the North voted unanimous, unanimously to stay down the low, the <laughs> the division lower than Gorman, so they're dying to get away from. Them. Yeah, and uh, that was the big plan, but it fell through at the last second. So it's kind of it's still going to be how it has been, and. I know every school would like to not play them, but there's just no way around it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, say I'm lo- I'm looking at the the scores from last year. So, I mean, they lost two games. Uh, Modern Day beat them, and then Miami uh, Central High School beat them, and then they went on a a, a run. I mean, I think fifty eight fifty eight nothing, sixty three nothing, fifty six nothing, sixty four nothing, fifty five nothing. 43 nothing, 59 nothing, and then Faith Lutheran finally put one up on him, 51 6. That was it. Yeah, 42 7. Liberty, 35 to 13, and then they beat Reed in the finals, 48 7. So, yeah, I mean, wow. <laughs> and and they, were, they were down this year from two years ago. <laughs> sure, they lost their, uh, their big time quarterback there for a while, right? They had him for, for a few years, and they went to Ohio State. So. Yes. He uh, he, he was some kind of playmaker on the field. Um, I didn't think he was. I remember we played him like he bounced the throw or two, and I'm thinking, is is this kid? Is this the kid? You know, I knew it was a kid, but right. And and I think he ended up like fifty eight percent completions for for the year in high school. I was like, huh, I don't know, but he was a hell of a playmaker. Something to be said, like you said about that, having a, just a, a a baller at quarterback makes it makes the the whole year a lot more fun. Um, so, coach, you're, you're you're moving back moving back east. Do you know what what kind of offense you guys are going to be running uh, at your new school? So, um, from what I've been told and what I've seen on Huddle is they are a uh, we're actually we now I got to get used to saying that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we are uh, in a lot of I, a lot of, uh, I don't know how you guys um, call your personnel. I, I call it a little different, but I guess pro personnel, 11 personnel. Um, I, I'm sorry, 21 or 12. How does it go? I don't even know because I never even... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 21 <laughs> is what we, we would call uh, tight end and, and a fullback and tailback. Yep, that's it. We always, called it, uh, we always called it sports names just so the kids could remember it easier. Sure, why not? Yeah, you know, whatever the kids can can uh, remember is the best, and that that's to me the the best thing to do. Um, and, and I don't want to interrupt you, Coach, but now you're kind of jogging my memory a little bit. But um, I, again, I know Shark was there for a while, so I don't know if it was you as the coordinator, maybe it was someone else. But he had said that one of the coordinators while he was there, they had actually like a bunch, like I want to say nine, ten, eleven different letters for some of their players. And so, um, yeah, was was that you? Yeah, yeah, that was me. And so, you know, he always talked about – maybe you can talk about that a little bit because that was always really interesting to me. And so he was said, uh, you know, one of the cool things about that is um, you don't necessarily even have to change personnel. You put your new 
You know, you, you, one kid's a starting Z back or whatever, and the other kid's a starting H, and then another kid's starting W. And so you got sometimes 18 different starters going into a game. And so, um, you know, which is obviously pretty cool for those kids, and those you get kids more jacked up for it. And, and um, so maybe you can kind of talk about that and, and how, you, how you work that in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that was my whole thought behind the personnel deal was, like you said, you know, instead of 11 starters, now we got 15, 16. So now kids buy in a little more was, was the big thing. Also, we, it's so transient out here. Like, I, I can't begin to explain to the level of, of how kids move in it. Kids change schools out here like you change pants. It, yeah. Literally, there'll be kids that are at three different schools in a year. So what you have – November, whatever, when the season ends, to what you have August 10th is completely different every year. I mean, you, you, you keep kids, yeah, but the makeup and, and it's, just, it's just so different. So that's why we went to personnel groups, so we'd be prepared for these swings <laughs> where one year we can line up and double tight and run power down your throat, and the next year we got to go no huddle spread because – that's where our personnel strength is. I mean, we'll go from having two years ago, we had six receivers that could have started, you know, last year we had, we didn't have as many receivers who could have started, but we had seven linemen that could have started. So it's just such drastic swings. Right. So what we, what we did was instead of calling the positions, um, you know, X, Z, Y, all that stuff was we, uh, we called I, – I, I made them a position letter, letters that would relate to the personnel group. So, for instance, our fourth receiver in – I mean, we were base three wide tight end running back. Our, our fourth receiver in, we called the J. We called him the J because there's a lot of sports teams that start with J. Jets, <laughs> Jayhawks, Jags. That was the sole reason <laughs> to call him the J. So every time the J came in, the personnel group started with J. So if we wanted our running back out, who was the T, it was Jet, J for T. If we wanted the S out, who was our kind of like a wing slot player, it was Jags, J for S. So, so the personnel groups were, were built solely based off and named, and the, the positions were named, so the personnel groups would be easy to remember. And like the second – the second tight end was R because we could go Redskin, Raider, Raven. You know, there was a lot of options. That's, that's how we named the, the positions. And then we would change it. I, I wanted to get as, as flexible with the personnel groups as we could. So maybe in Jet, a kid was the running back. I, I mean, this year we had a, we had a kid who, could have played tight, who played tight end, wide out, and running back for us, you know, in the same game. So one personnel group, he's a wide out. And the next personnel group, he's the second back. And the next personnel group, he's a tight end. And, and we just kind of built it like that. And the kids, it was very, it was super easy for the kids to remember, you know, the first day or two, you'd hear them repeating it. But after that, they knew, like, hey, if it's Jayhawk, which was um, J for Y, Y was the tight end, one four wide, one back. They, they knew where to go. I, I just wanted, I wanted to make it as easy as possible for them because because 
21 means nothing to them. Right. Yeah. If they know they're this letter and, and their personnel group starts with it, that means they're in. And we also did that. We took it, that, that idea further with the formations. So we had about four years ago, we had this kid move in, you know, late in the summer and he was one of our best players. And, you know, one of the mistakes I made with him was I wanted to play him everywhere because he was good at everything. Right. And, and all I ended up doing was confuse him. But <laughs> what I noticed was he, he was always confused on where to line up. Like ace, we called everything ace, tray, you know, all that. And he never knew where to go on this. And I'm thinking, well, maybe he called it, you know, he could have called it blue and green in his other high school. And then another kid could have called it, you know, something completely different somewhere else. So to alleviate that confusion, we started calling formations numbers. Yep. So if it's two by one, receiver-wise, we called it 21. You, you, read right, you read left to right. Everyone can read, hopefully. <laughs> and so the first number is the number of receivers on the left. The last number is the number of receivers on the right. And it was solely speaking to the wideouts. So all they had to listen to was that number, and then we tagged on the tight end and running back after that. Mm, so that, awesome. that, that way – because we get a lot of – there's no youth programs out There's no feeder programs out here. So really? there's no middle school program for the high school. It, it's, it's all basically the Wild West. So you're getting, you're getting kids in ninth grade, you know, four kids from one youth program, five kids from another – you know, it's a collection of different youth programs. Well, they all have different terminology. Sure. So if I say, you know, ace and trade to you guys, like, we know that, but these kids have never heard it. So why bang my head on the wall for, for six months and make things harder? <laughs> so we, we just tried to make it as humanly possible for the kids to remember, and it allowed me to be a lot more flexible. I could get into – as many formations as I want it because it, it was no big deal to them because the receivers knew they were listening for the number, the tight ends knew they were listening to the tight end tag and the, the backs knew they were listening for the back tag. So we could get in, we had a game last season. I think we were in 15 different formations in the first 15 plays. That's awesome. You know, just that, that does a, a ton against the defense. Just running power and sweep out of everything. We ran power and buck sweep was basically our run concepts. There you go. If you do those too well, you don't need a whole lot else. Exactly. All you need, man. I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of, you know, three run concepts out of a million different ways to present it rather than a million different individual plays. Well, and like you said, with your different with your different personnels, you know, making the formations easy is is beneficial because now you got a kid like you said in different personnels is playing different positions. But if all he has to do is listen for the number or the tag, it it simplifies it for him as well. Yeah, it, it was just all about making it simpler for the kids. And it's and it's easy too. I mean, I like I like when you're talking about you know the the kid knows he's a J, the kid knows he's an R. You know, kids know when they're in. You know, they all want to play. That, that, that was the one thing, you know, you'd always have coaches asking you, like, do they know the personnel groups? They know the personnel groups. Kids picked up the personnel groups faster than anything because that's like, yeah, that's what I'm going to get on the field. So no, those guys, it seems like they always knew that stuff and they'd figure it out quickly. You're exactly right. And 
and by having the personnel group speak to them individually by having it start with their their position it made it even more profound like the only time they weren't in is when they were you know bullshitting with someone else and not paying attention <laughs> sure <laughs> which which happens every once in a while unfortunately yeah. yes it does <laughs> Well, that was one of the cool things that I always thought that Walls did with, with personnel-wise. And, and honestly, when, when me and Shark, because it was both our first year here at Broken Arrow and Walls had already been here, it really confused us for a while until we understood it was um, Walls would call, you know, a personnel, whatever, 12 and 11, and, and they could still both have the same um, formation call. So if we were in 12 personnel and we called race, it would be two tight ends and then two receivers over to one side. Where if we were in 11 personnel and he called race, now, you know, it's three receivers. So, obviously, it's not going to be two tight ends. It's going to be one tight end, you know, nub tight end with trips to the other side. So, um, it was kind of confusing for me and me and Shark at first. But it, it's always cool for me to hear how offensive coordinators do different things to try to make it simpler uh, for their players. Yeah, and and I like that, you know, it's just – you're in a different personnel group, but it's still one by three. Right. Regardless of how you get to that point. Yeah, that's why we did it because, I mean, that's what I tell the receivers. It was easy. Like, well, coach, isn't, isn't race just for 12 personnel? I'm like, yeah. If we had a second tight end in the game, where would we have him line up? Well, I'm a tight end. Cool. Line up as a tight end. <laughs> now, now, we go, now we go to 11 personnel. All right, three receivers. I'm like, Am I going to ask you as the slot receiver to line up as a tight end? No, I'm not a tight end. Cool. Line up as a receiver. And honestly, once you just taught them that, that concept, it made it way easier because now I didn't have to come up with a whole new formation for them to memorize. They could just learn one formation and I could have four different personnel packages like you did coach and run the same thing. And to me, that's, that's the key is you don't want to keep coming up with different formations and, and making them learn different formation names when it only changes for one guy. Yeah, and then, you know, you got guys stealing signals. Well, we give the race call, and they're thinking, oh, hey, they're in two tights. Well, we'd be in 11 personnel. You know, or, heck, there's times we were in 10 personnel, and we'd be in, in race. So teams that are maybe trying to, to steal some signals, it could mean three different things, four different things, and they weren't really thinking of that. And that, and that helps combat that now. Do you guys see that more out there? We don't get too many signal signal stealers out here. <laughs> yeah, we do. We we we've got a lot of guys with binoculars up in the uh, <laughs> up in the press box trying to. Now the the when Walls was here, and then this year we haven't had a problem. So when Walls was at Broken Arrow, we didn't have a problem because we had um, we actually had two sets of signals. So we had we had numbers and names for each of our plays, so we could signal them a couple different ways. And then uh, this year we went to a wristband. Um, off the sideline so uh, there was no signal stealing with that either but yes it's definitely um, a big here in Oklahoma. Yeah I could imagine I remember when I was a freshman in college um, our line coach having me when, when the, we were on offense he'd be like hey watch this guy and see what he signals for me. <laughs> <laughs> well that's when now what's so funny to me is, is you watch these uh, these college teams and you've got two kids that I feel awful for the kids and these kids are holding up big reflectors in front of their coach. So oh, no yeah. The yeah. You get the guys holding up the towels to, to hide the signalers and stuff. Now, I mean, it's, it's quite the, uh, it's, it's quite the old, 
Yeah, it's like a it's like a stage production now to to figure out how to hide your signals. <laughs> Which was funny because when we were at Houston, no one we never you know we were uh, signaling team and and we almost didn't care. It seemed like if people stole our signals and and we only had one one call for each play and and the way that we supposedly combated that and it worked the first year was you just went so fast it didn't matter if they knew the signals they didn't have enough time to to stop it. That that was the first thing that popped to my head. If you go fast enough, it it shouldn't matter because now they're worried about stealing your signals and not getting lined up. That's right, and you're snapping the ball. Yeah, exactly. exactly. We we tried. I mean, two years ago we tried to go fast, but it's it just not something we were built for. I I definitely like the advantages of it, but then the O line O lineman in me just wants to. Get some more tight ends in and, and run the ball downhill. It's just so much more fun doing it that way. <laughs> it is. I've done – we've done a whole lot of different things in the last four years, and and the most enjoyable is, is when you know you can go out and, and run downhill on people because that's the most demoralizing. Yeah. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Now, I, I love to have – I mean, I think you always got to have, you know, a fast package, two-minute drill, things like that. So, I like to practice. I like to have it. but. You know, it's like you said, if I'm just smashing people and I can, I can run power right and power left, why, why go fast? I'll just wear them out this way. Body shots. Keep the ball and, and control the game. That's what we, we played a team this year, and, you know, we were kind of sputtering, and we weren't sure of our identity on offense, and, and they had a great secondary, and, and I wasn't really confident in us throwing the ball. They weren't good in the box, so I said, all right, we're just going to run downhill at them. And it was the best game we played all year. I think we threw five times, and I think we ran for 270 yards just just saying we're bigger and stronger than you in the box. So I'm not, I'm not going to put the ball in the air and let your athletes in the secondary impact this game. And we just got some big backs and ran right at them. Coach, I'm curious, with all the, like you said, so being so transient in the Vegas area, what was – what was an off-season um, training program like? Were you, were you able to have a very big off-season weightlifting program with all these kids going different places and coaches coming in and out from, from different parts of the city? Yeah, I, that definitely made it stressful too. I mean, we uh, – so I was fortunate enough to – I used to work in a casino and, and I worked the very early morning shift just so I could be done by one. So I was fortunate enough to be on campus every day the kids were out. So. I did my best to, you know, give structure to a weight program, and, and we drew it up like it was for 120 kids, but honestly, some days we would get 12, and mm. it, it's tough, and, and sometimes it, it, the most detrimental part of it is it, it gets you frustrated as a coach. Now you're trying to run weights while you're frustrated because there's only 12 kids there, and it's kind of affecting <laughs> the 12 kids that have, you know, made an effort to be there, but we, right. we, ran, we ran a January, whenever we got back from winter break, we, we started weights and we ran all the way through to August. And uh, I think the more difficult thing was trying to get seven on seven practices going when, when we started having tournaments out, out here for that in the spring and summer, because now we needed more coaches there. Whereas before I could get by with, with just running the weights and the conditioning myself. But when we'd go out and practice seven on seven some days and, and the offensive coordinator is the only coach out there, you're not getting better on defense. Sure. 
<laughs> is is that something that happened a lot? Because I think that's a, another thing. Kind of Shark told me was was there are you know quite a few coaches that um, are completely away from uh, from school. They're doing uh, you know they're working at the casino and then coming over and, and coaching football. That's uh, you know in Oklahoma that'd be a uh, um, that'd be a faux pas for sure. I think people would lose their mind in the uh, southern states if that were to happen. We're we're just so it got to the point where we were so happy to get guys on staff right. that, that that's what mattered. I mean, just trying to fill out a staff and so, so you're not just overloaded during the season was we, we – yeah. I mean, you have guys coming from casinos from everywhere, and, and that was one of the problems was we had guys that didn't get off till four, so we couldn't practice till four. And it's, you know, well – if these guys aren't on staff, then it's four guys doing everything. And no right. one wants to do that. But then on the flip side is now it's a longer day for the kids and they're at the school till six. It could be hilarious to be like, hey, where's Coach Jimmy at? Oh, he's, he's bouncing over at the Bunny Ranch, man. We've got to wait for him to get back. I mean, there, there's so many scenarios that are like that. I guess I just got desensitized to it at this point. <laughs> where it's, it's like that. Or, or we'll have we'll – have, you know, Saturday morning seven-on-seven seven tournaments or Saturday morning stuff, and it's like, well, where's so-and-so? Well, he just got off work. Oh. <laughs> well, well, that's, a, you know, the other thing, and then, um, you know, not trying to put sharks, all of Sharks' business out there, but just kind of our mutual <laughs> friend, but, you know, he, he goes to work and gets, um, you know, drugs blown in his face because, you know, uh, the happened to be the school that he was working at, and oh. – has to come have doctors check him out to make sure it wasn't something too crazy that the kids blew in his face because they were trying to to get rid of it. I mean, just crazy stories that that, that you hear that I'm sure that you just, you guys kind of just get used to a little bit. Oh, the stuff he would tell me. Yeah, there there'd be days where I remember walking in the weights and he's walking in and he has that wide eyed look on his face. He's like, "I think I'm hot. I just got to go sit in the office for a little bit." <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, and now he's now he's uh, now he's you know PE class for uh, sixth and seventh graders. It's it's a big swing from where he was at. Oh, he's he's living the life now, isn't he? Yeah, that's right. Hey, another just a quick one about him. I don't know if he he uh, so Gorman's playing um, a team in Texas, Cedar. Was it Cedar Hill? I think was it was it Cedar Hill. Maybe a couple years, years ago. Yes, two years they, ago. They got in their ass on. PN, right? Yeah. Norman so, went down there. Yeah. And yeah. Got yep. So they're playing Cedar Hill. Well, we have a coach that was from the Dallas area. Maybe even – I think he was at Cedar Hill maybe for a couple of years. Well, this coach doesn't know that Gorman's like a private school that, that uh, you know, can get whoever they want basically in the area or in the surrounding areas to come up and play for him. So he has no idea. Well, Shark bets him that Gorman's going to go down and beat Cedar Hill. Knowing that this guy's a Texas guy and knowing he has no idea who Bishop Gorman even is. And so this guy's like, there's no way Cedar Hill's this and this, and I'm from Texas, and I'm just telling you it's not going to happen. You know, just like any Texas guy you've ever heard. And Shark's like, I don't know. I think Gorman's going to be pretty decent this year. And so bets him. And I don't know if he ever ended up making him pay up for it, but uh, bet him on the, on the Cedar Hill Gorman game. And obviously they ended up crushing him, but it was just. Because I, I knew what was going on. It was just hilarious to see that happen and, and, and see him play that up. It was, it was awesome. He, he was the king of, the, of trying to catch you slipping on office bets. 
Dude, hey, I, I can second that too. That guy was one of the best office betters I've ever seen. No doubt. He, he would try to – I remember my first year we had this coach who, who really didn't understand betting. You know, and out here, living out here, like sports betting is, is huge. And, and when I worked at the casino, I worked in the sports book for seven years. I mean, and Shark loved it, and we'd always talk about it. So it's huge out here. And yeah. We had this one coach, he'd walk in and, you know – say the Patriots are like a seven point favorite and he'd walk in and, and say they're playing the Jets and, and the other coach would be like, I don't know, the Jets are pretty good. And Shark would, he wouldn't miss a beat. He'd say, all right, I'll bet you five bucks the Patriots win. <laughs> you know, not laying any points, not paying a vig, just straight up five for five. <laughs> and then he'd laugh when the coach, well, coach would leave and he's like, he can't get any deal like that around town. <laughs> at taking the favorites and betting someone you know an even amount 10 for 10 5 for 5 <laughs> well that's what he always says and then then they'll leave and he'll be and then they'll be like oh whatever you're crazy and then he'll tell me he'll be like well it, it's a good bet anyways even if i lose it was still a good bet so i can be okay with it <laughs> yeah he was he was he had an uncanny ability at that <laughs> And he could always, like, talk guys into the bet, too. I mean, yeah, if you were a real man, you know, you'd throw down some money on that, you know. He could, like, guilt the guy into it all the time. And literally, like, nine times out of ten, just, just blindly rob the guy. It was awesome. <laughs> we got a game where, where you have to kind of bet on the point spread and, and the coaches put down their own spread um, for different high school games in Oklahoma. And, and we kind of ventured up into college games this year. But, you know, basically a coach takes a game puts it on the board, they put the spread, plus or minus, and then um, the other coaches come in and, and write their name down under who, who they think is going to either cover or not. Well, there's about half the coaches every year that never understand the game. And I don't <laughs> think – I think it's the funniest thing seeing Shark watch these guys not understand it. It is so funny because he understands it on a total different level. Like, he's taught it all to me. Not all, but he's taught some of it to me. So – he understands it on a such higher level, just being in Vegas, uh, and then some of these coaches that still it's it's week ten in the season they still don't get the plus or minus, so they go to the coach. So what's this plus mean again? And it's just, so, yeah, so they're so they're plus ten. So does that mean they're the dog or they're their favorite? Sharks over there. Yeah, yeah, take them, take them. Yeah, yeah, that's classic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take, put your name down. Yeah, that's. Uh, you, you, you definitely – you live out here, you know, you're going to learn about sports betting. And, and I would always be the guy, because I worked in it, was anytime we talk about something in the office, office it would be like, all right, Coach Trevor, put the odds on the board. And I'd try to get, you know, technical and, and put the money line and not the point spread and really try to confuse some people. That's great. Now, I know, you know, Sharks told me stories about um, – he's had – He's known people that, that are in the, the sports book place, and, and uh, Floyd Mayweather pulls up with, with eight cars deep coming in, and, and guys are trying to change the line as fast as they can. Uh, my, so my, ex, my roommate that I used to live out here with, he worked in a sports book, and he dealt primarily with Floyd. And, uh, like, Floyd was – he was the only guy Floyd would deal with at the book. Every time Floyd came in, he had to deal with them, and and yeah, they uh, <laughs> he he might tweet he might tweet all his winners, but there's a reason that he can jump in the front <laughs> of the line and they'll take whatever he wants. I believe it. <laughs> Paying a lot of salaries. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and they, 
you know, they'd see him coming and they, they know what he wants to bet and, and they would try to get him. That's for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. It's, it's like another world out here. It, it really is. Those district to all that. It's, it's wild. That was the thing I wanted to ask you, coach. I mean, you know, getting, getting kind of close here, but you know, is it, is it something that burns you out, you know, as a coach, you know, to me, it's, you know, obviously the, the Vegas lifestyle or whatever, I can, I could barely handle a weekend, you know, God knows what I do if I lived out there. But uh, I mean, does it, does it kind of burn you out just that? And then also the fact that, you know, some places maybe aren't as into to coaching as you'd like it to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking the other day, I'm like, you know, if you like weather and, and food and, and a good time, like Vegas is a great place to live, but in the end of the day, I like coaching football and it's not very good for that. So, <laughs> so I, I definitely have been burnt out by the, the school district and, you know, lack of support from the district and just, just things you take for granted. And then you start thinking about it and scratching your head and you're like, man, this could be a lot better, but no one wants to change. I mean, we had, we played a game, our second last regular season game. We had two kids go down with, with ankle injuries because the field was so bad because no one takes care of their fields out here. Yeah, they're bad. They're, they're, they're brown by October. You know, you, you can't water it because that costs money. You can't do this. You can't. It's, it's just I, I get burnt out by all the little things that start to add up, start to add up, start to add up, and it's just like this is never going to change. It's never going to get better. You know, we, when I, when I got to spring Valley, we were a three win program for, for a couple of years. And then we had two really good years and, and shark would always be like, man, this is, we're doing a lot of good things, but it could be so much better. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's what burns you out is, is it could be so much better in the district, but no one's making it better. And uh, it just <laughs> just reached my tipping point with with all that, and decided I wanted to be somewhere where where athletics in a whole were taken more seriously. Sure, that's important. I mean, it's it's got to come from from top down. Uh, you know, another thing that 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 he had talked about, and maybe you can expand on it. Uh, you know, if you were able to to see it as well, but he would say that the one cool thing about that was that you know what you guys kind of could do a little bit different stuff and you could tweak some things. And, you know, when you're at a program like a, you know, we're at a bigger program that's been good for a while, you know, it's kind of set in stone. This is the way you do things this is how our offense and defense is. This is how uh, weight training is. And we've got a, a strength coach and he does this and we do this and, and it's all kind of mapped out already where he was saying kind of the cool thing about being at a place like Spring Valley is, um, you know, it, it's a few coaches that do really love football and you guys can, sit down and say, hey, are we, are we doing it the best way? What ways can we tweak? And then maybe you try that out for a season and you say, well, that didn't really work, so let's try uh, something else. Was, was it, you know, was it cool kind of having some of that freedom, though, of, you know, of it not being a set-in-stone program to be able to kind of do some things that you've always wanted to do with the program? One thousand percent, that was the best part of it. What, and, and that's something we used to talk about all the time was, we can do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. Do it, not, you know, not like rebels. No, yeah, no, what you mean? 
we we can we can literally do whatever we want we can he used to always say it's it's a great place to figure out what works and what doesn't complete and, freedom yeah yes and that's great you know especially you know when you're designing an offense or a defense when you really start thinking thinking about your personnel and knowing you have the freedom to do whatever you want whatever you think is best was a thousand times the best part of it because there's not that pressure of we're seven and six, the whole staff's going to get fired. Right. You know, whereas Mark talks about that pressure you guys have out there where, you know, you go through a skid and it's like, holy shit. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to have a job at the end of the season. (laughs) Whereas, whereas out here, it's just, you know, at a lot of the public schools, it's like that where you have the freedom to do whatever you want. And that's, you know, that's something I'll always be grateful for because we, we definitely learned, learned a lot because we had the freedom to, to kind of do what we wanted, to, to be what we thought the best version of our personnel was. Well, that's kind of what I always thought, and, and you could learn so much from that, you know. Even your story about you guys were, were spread and then all of a sudden one week decided, hey, we're going to go big personnel, and, and that's what we're going to do for the rest of the season. I, I think if you're at a big school in, in certain areas, I know definitely where we are, it would be – um, like you said, a fireable offense where it'd be nice to be able to, hey, let's try it out and, and let's see what works, let's see what doesn't, and then we'll we'll move on from there. But that would be that'd be a really cool way to be able to go about that and like you said, start kind of building your own philosophies instead of just from, hey, this is how you do it, and so this is how I do it. You guys have actually got to tweak different things and and try things out to see what works and what doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hear it's not because so much of it, you know, throughout the year is writing stuff on paper. Well, now we get to try everything we've ever written down and, and, and see what works best. And that's definitely, you know, such a huge and vital part of, of developing is being able to figure out on your own what works and what doesn't. Like you said, like we were, we were spread, no huddle all off season. And then after two games of watching us go like seven for 20 in the air, it was like, well, I'm not watching another game of this. So, <laughs> That's right. So, we're ch- so it's going to change. And it is going to change now. And having the freedom from our head coach to, to, to let us do that is, is everything. And, you know, having his support. And so now when I go in front of the kids and they get all pouty-lipped and, and, and you know, upset because we're, we're changing things, it's – it's for the best, and I, I know we have the support of the, of the head guy. And, and the change, you know, it, it helped. We ended, up, we ended up making the playoffs. Now we can't get that first, that first elusive program playoff win, but, you know, we were able to do some things that, right. that were exciting. And, and we've actually, you know, we're, we've been consistent to where I think – the last five years, we, we've made the, either made the playoffs or had a winning record. And coming from a couple three-win seasons, that's, that's definitely something we take some pride in, is, is being consistent because it is so transient. But, you know, not having those big lulls and, and having that offseason, just getting the best out of what you have every year is, you know. Sure. Me and Chuck used to joke, it's like you're wringing that wet T-shirt and you're, and you're wringing it till it's dry and you're trying to get every ounce out of – <laughs> all those 32 kids that, that have shown up for that season because and I don't know if he's told you about this and 
to me, this is the most asinine rule I've ever heard is we have to have separate varsity and JV teams. No, so, I, don't, I don't know that he has told me that. What? So this is how, yes, this is how it works out here. This is another one. <laughs> this is another thing on my list is, so last year, <laughs> last year, freshman to senior, we had, we started August with 95 kids in the program, which was really good for us. I know you guys get like 150. Shark, Shark never misses a chance to tell me how many kids you guys have. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're starting with 95 and we're jacked. You know, this is great. Well, now we have to make a freshman team. All right, so there's 30. Now, JV plays Thursdays before. So they play the team you play on Friday on Thursday. And if you dress JV, you can't dress varsity. Oh, my God. So we're making separate varsity and JV teams. So now our 95 has become 30 kids on right. a Friday night. And, you, oh. and it just kills – it kills those kids that are in between, those tweener kids. Right. You can't get any better because, you know, you might need them on varsity, so you can't play them on JV where uh, if you're in certain states, I know like Oklahoma, you can play them Monday and, and still let them be a backup role on Friday night for you. Yeah, and that's that's how I grew up, and that's how I thought it was until I got out here, and I was like, <laughs> excuse me? Like, they can't? They can't? So it, it made it really hard, and and now you're either, you know, you, you're – you have no depth on Friday or you have depth on Friday, but you have kids that aren't getting any better, aren't playing. Gosh. And what we always wanted to do and what me and Shark always talked about was, you know, in that scenario was Cannon freshman, which we did one year. We didn't have a freshman team. We just had, we, we played them all on JV. So that way, if there was a kid that we needed out in varsity, we can move him up and not have to worry about having 12 kids for JV. But that, dude, it, it it just that just pains me. I mean, we we do the same thing in Iowa, but at least they can play both nights. But to to me, it's never made sense. Why do you play the Thursday before you play the varsity game? You know well, why why don't why don't you do it like you do in Oklahoma? So you play the varsity game Friday, and then now you have your list of kids. You come in on the weekend, you'd be like, okay, so and so didn't play in the varsity game. This guy didn't play. This guy didn't play. Now I can play them in Monday in the JV game, and you get the best of both worlds. <laughs> because I, I always say, I always said it, you know, the next time the district does something in favor of the kids will be the first. <laughs> You're exactly right. But, but, it, but it says in the, in the seal and in the, the vision for everything, it's all about the kids, right? All about the kids or the administrators getting salary raises. <laughs> so here's why they really do it, though. Because of who we talked about earlier, because Bishop Gorman has 70 kids on varsity, 50 kids on JV, and 70 kids on freshmen. So they can do it. And there's a couple other bigger schools that it's no big deal to, that they got 50-50-50. So they're fine, and everyone else kind of gets the – sorry, guys. Yeah. And where I'm going now, where I'm headed now is it's a smaller school. It's Saucon Valley High School. Um, they're in the Colonial League in Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. and they actually they don't have freshman football. It's just JV and varsity because the school the enrollment sizes are small. So now I'm going to a situation where before last year I had 95 kids could dress 30. This year I think there's like 50 kids in the program freshman to senior, and since there's no freshmen, they all play JV and they all dress for varsity. So with 50 kids, we're dressing 50. Right, you're actually dressing more. Yeah, we're dressing more with 40 less kids. 
And, and some of them will be able to play six, seven, eight quarters, you know, in a week, and they'll be just fine. Oh, yeah. Shark tells me all the time how you guys will have JV practice, give them a Gatorade, and they're on their way to the – or, you know, they'll be scout team on Mondays, grab a Gatorade, and go play a game then. That's yeah. right. And, and it's, you know, to me, it's, it's great for those kids. You know, they're practicing against – varsity kids in practice and then they get to play a game which is uh you know what's fun for kids you know it's not fun to go and never play in a game you know and so you let these kids play in a game and then you also let them vars for uh you know dress for varsity you know if they've done what you've asked for them to do you know you can use it as an incentive or like you said you get to have some depth without worrying you know you're not ruining a kid's whole year of getting better at football because you need a backup quarterback. Oh, two years ago, if our quarterback went down, I still don't know what we would have done. <laughs> You'd have been still, playing quarterback. I still don't have an answer. <laughs> it was just so fortunate that he was so tough after a while. I was like, oh, he's getting up. It don't sure. matter. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's wild how those – and it, it hurts the kids. And it's – I don't know how that – I don't know how someone said, here's my idea for this rule, and someone else said, that's a good idea. Yeah, I want to go sit in, like, literally at one of these, these association meetings and just, like, present some of these facts. Like, so here's what you're telling us. It's, it's healthy for a kid to play back-to-back nights on a Thursday and Friday, or it's better for a kid to stand on the sideline on a Friday and not let him play on Thursday. I'm like, you, you guys have this whole thing backwards. And, and honestly, even in, in our state, they've taken another level. They don't even have JV football. It's varsity, and then they call it sophomore football. So it can only, it's only supposed to be sophomores. Well, what if I have 20 sophomores and maybe only three of them are offensive linemen? How do you want me to play a sophomore schedule? <laughs> what do you want that to look like? I, I think <laughs> the thing that mo- makes the most sense to me, you know, in these smaller areas like that is just have freshman, sophomore team, and have a varsity team. And at yeah. least that way, between the two classes, you'll get what you need. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, it's honestly what we've gone to, what we're hoping to go to. We'll have a freshman team because we always got enough freshmen. And then just make it varsity JV. So that way we're not just limited to sophomores. If we have a smaller class, we can actually kind of legitimately play juniors. Maybe there's a few low-end seniors that, that want to still play football and have a chance. Well, it's, it's JV. Now it kind of becomes the norm. But the biggest thing is we're trying to get it moved to Monday nights just for the, the sake of, okay, they don't can, you know, end off. And then if they do need to play that next Friday, now they have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in between playing, not just 24 hours. You know? Right. I mean, everything's about safety these days. So that's what blows <laughs> your mind. Everyone wants to talk about safety, but then you have rules like this. And it's like, that's the farthest thing from safety. I don't get it. <laughs> it's wild. Well, Coach, uh, we really appreciate it. Um, I, I want to, you know, it's been, you don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do want to uh, kind of send you off on one last question that I ask everybody. Um, obviously, you watch a lot of film being a coach, so watching an offensive line for, for another team, what would they be doing that would make you think highly of, of their offensive line coach? You know, so I have a, not to get too long-winded, but, Currently, my job is um, I work for a recruiting company making highlight tapes. So it's, it's awesome. I do it from home. So I get to log on to all these teams' huddles and make this kid, kid's highlight tapes. 
Well, I like making the lineman highlight tapes, obviously. And, yes. <laughs> and, and the one thing that drives me nuts when I watch it is when kids don't play with their hands. Hmm. That, you know, they make contact, but, but they fall off. Or they want to use their shoulders or they, they want to use their head. And I, I'd say understanding that offensive line play is you play offensive line with your feet, hips, and hands. Not with your shoulder pads, not with your helmet. So just seeing good technique out of that would, would get me fired up. Coach, just – and I don't mean to take up too much of your time again, but, no. you know, you, you told me that – but so do you catch a lot of flack for working for, for a, a program where, where you help kids get recruited? For whatever reason around here, um, you know, coaches – I don't want to – I'm not pointing this towards you, but there's a lot of coaches that, that hate recruiting services. I mean, I see it all over Twitter. It's, it's their – that and personal trainers are their biggest <laughs> two that they, they hate and think that it's against the game. You know, there's people in California trying to outlaw the sport altogether, but, uh, they, you know, these coaches really, really hate trainers and people trying to get uh, these kids recruited. Do you get m- much of that in that area? No, um, I don't. First, it's, it's a seasonal right now, so I've only been doing it a couple months. And, and the way I look at it is you're helping the kids. Right. You know, what, yeah. what I'm doing making the highlight tape is helping these kids get out there, get, you know, get seen. Yeah. Is there a lot of shady recruiting services? Absolutely. I, I'd like to think that the one that I help isn't, it's the biggest one there is. Um, next college student athlete. So yeah. I, I just look at it more as, um, help you know i'm getting a chance to help kids all year round and 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 help them and and get their highlights out there and that and i i don't care if i catch flack really from other people (laughs) sure i i've had the same thing you know people have said it and coaches have said it and i'm just like you know you want to say it well coach honestly if if you were doing your job to help your guy get recruited they wouldn't have to go to these services Yes. Is, what I wanna, is what I want to tell some of those guys because a lot of those coaches will say, oh, it's not my job to get you recruited. It's not my job to build your head, you know, to build your highlight film. Well, yeah, yeah it kind of is. You know, you want all your players to go on and have the best opportunity they can. And I think when, when some guys aren't getting that done, you know, I, I can say it goes kind of two ways. So there's a reason why that the, there's these businesses out there. They help kids, period. Yeah, and absolutely. Like you said, if – if people are doing their jobs and, you know, understanding that it doesn't stop when that last game stops like that, you're not done being that kid's coach. Yeah. You, still, you still have to coach them and help them with everything you can. And, you know, I didn't even think of like the question. I didn't even think of your question until you said it. Like this is how it happened. Like the season ended. I was looking for work. I saw an ad on football scoop. And I was like, that'd be cool. Make highlight tapes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, who doesn't want to be on huddle all day and get paid for it? So I was yeah. like, great. That's yeah. awesome. Exactly. Man. And I think that's what, exactly. you know, those are the kind of guys you want to work with the kids. You know, I would never exactly. tell a kid, that, especially at Broken Arrow, you know, we, we do a lot for these kids. So I would never tell them that they need to go out there. And, I, you know, I think we get their film out and do a good job. But if it's a kid that makes a lot of money and, and, We've had some kids that have recruiting services help them out, and it's nothing that we said anything bad about their recruiting service and never said anything bad to the kid. You know, if it's something that they do want to pay for, then then go for it as long as, 
you know, you hope that that recruiting service is like you said, coach, someone that wants to help kids and that wants to get paid to be around ball as much as they can, you know? <laughs> right. And, much and I think it helps too, you know, especially if you're the smaller towns where it's harder to get, you know, publicity and harder to get yourself out there. Yeah, you know, college. You know, colleges aren't coming out there to to see you guys. So, you got to be able to put something together. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. So I I, I honestly never really thought about that, and uh, I don't know. I, I I think it helps the kids, and I like doing it, and and that's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all, more power to you, coach. I think that's awesome, man. Seriously. I, I had a, a college. My one of my coaches in college used to always say. You know, talk about the man in the mirror. That's all that matters. Amen. Couldn't be more true with with, with coaching. I, I completely agree, Coach. That's that's great. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. I want to again thank our sponsors, Powerlift, Sky Coach, and Team Attack Academy. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.